welcome to Leo Roundtable at leoroundtable.com. My name is Chip DeBlock, and I'm your host. We're a group of law enforcement professionals to talk about law enforcement issues, but we do it from a law enforcement perspective. And let me go ahead and introduce our panelists to you. And guys, if you don't mind waiting for the video portion of our show, uh, we have attorney and former federal prosecutor Ward Mike Thaler. We also have retired Chief John Newman, retired Captain Brett Bartlett, retired Corporal David D. Gresta, and all the way from New York, uh, retired officer Cody and Cook. We also have producer Will Statzer, the guy that makes it all happen. So uh, thanks for being on with us, Will. Hey, I also want to give a shout out to our sponsors. Uh, we have Column Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, and Viridian Weapon Technologies. You will hear more information about them later. And uh, we are also powered by Pexip. They're a software platform for unified communication, so they make this teleconferencing software that we're using all possible. And we're also syndicated in the radio five days a week, the Good Talk Radio. And we are also with I10FM. And also a shout out to Brian Burns with the free press at tampafp.com. So we got a lot of relationships there. We pre appreciate everybody helping to make it happen. And guys, to our users, our, our fan base, you know, in this day and age, not a lot of people are supporting law enforcement. So please, please support our sponsors. All right, well, I do want to get to some of these videos. So I might move a little quick, quickly through the rest of this stuff here. Our next one, policeone.com, it says over 150 Minneapolis officers are seeking disability. Now listen to this. Uh, more than 150 officers have filed work-related disability claims after the death of George Floyd and the ensuing unrest, with about three-quarters citing post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, as the reason for their planned departures. And this is according to an attorney that's representing these officers. So their duty disability claims, uh, which will take months to process, it comes as the, I guess the city is in, has increasing violent crime and the city leaders are pushing a proposal proposal to replace the Minneapolis Police Department with a new agency they say would have a more holistic approach. So while Floyd's death in May and the unrest that followed are not the direct cause of the uh, many disability requests, attorney Ron Miser said that those events and what Miser calls a lack of support from city leadership were a breaking point for many who had been struggling with PTSD for years on the job. It also says that a duty disability means that the officer was disabled while engaged in inherently dangerous acts specific to the job. Now, here's a quote from the attorney saying that following the George Floyd incident, unfortunately, it became too much, and as a result, they were unable to and were it says they were unable to and are unable to continue on and move forward. They feel totally and utterly abandoned. He also said that many officers he represents uh, were at a precinct that the police department abandoned as the people were breaking in during the unrest. Some officers thought that they were actually going to die and not make it home. And they wrote final notes to their loved ones. And people in the crowd ultimately set fire to the building. And, and actually, John, this plays a part because we were talking before the show about this other incident where cops got locked in and what could have happened, you know, with the fire and stuff. So the attorney said in recent weeks that 150 officers have retained his services to help in filing for disability benefits to the state's Public Employment Retirement Association or PARA. And so far, 75 of them have already left the job. The department has only about 850 officers. So they're, they're losing a, a good number of the cops because of this. So. Um, any comments about that or any surprises with the disability thing because of all this mess? I, I, I was actually surprised. So we'll, we'll keep watching this. David. 
you know, I'm surprised Ward didn't jump on this with both feet, but I, I think I have a solution. <laughs> Let's hear it. Just since they're going to be forming this new this new organization in Baltimore that's going to take the place of the police department, I say just give everybody just give give everybody dope. Just give them all just get, you know blunts <laughs> blunts all around. Everybody sits down. You smoke a little joint. Hang out, relax. Everybody, take it easy. I mean, just it's it's no big deal, man. It's I mean, take it easy. What what the heck? N not a problem. There may still wow. be crime. There may still be crime, but nobody will care. <laughs> we have a lot of open mics now, David. Thank you very much. So go ahead, guys. No, I just wanted to know. I just want to know. Producer Will was writing stuff down. I saw Producer Will writing stuff down. <laughs> Anybody else, guys? All right, we'll uh, we'll keep it moving then. Let's see our next one here. We've got uh, PoliceOne.com. LAPD is investigating blue flu claims over hundreds of, that are calling in sick over the Fourth of July weekend. So um, it it, it kind of gets a little hairy, but anyhow, they're saying that there's a blue flu, flu up to 300 officers called in sick. Sick in what many of the officers or the people are saying was a blue flu because of everything going on. But this happened with the uh, you know LAPD, which is a a little surprising, a little off track from like New York, which is where we heard about it last time. So if there's no comments about that, then we'll move on to our next one, and we're on LawEnforcementToday.com. Protesters, and this is what we were going to talk about. This is in Aurora. Um, it says that protesters surrounded a police station. They chained the doors closed, locked the officers inside for seven hours, and cans of gasoline were found outside. So what could have possibly have gone wrong with that? And uh, I wrote in my notes, this is similar to what happened in Portland, of course. So on the evening of July the 3rd in Aurora, a group have forcibly trapped officers, police officers inside a police station using chains to lock the doors from the outside. Then it says the protest, of course, took place on the, the day before the 4th of July outside the District 1 police station. It was said that had been pertaining to the death of a guy named Elijah McClain, uh, who died back in August of 2019, so a little less than a year ago. This was a case where investigators saw, they saw no culpability with the officers who detained McClain last year when medical examiners determined that McClain passed away from cardiac arrest after a paramedic administered um, ketamine as a sedative. And remember, we had another show about how they're using, you know, sedatives when taking people in custody. It's a whole other story. But on the eve of the 4th of July, police officers were said to have been trapped for about seven hours, seven hours after protesters decided to imprison them inside their own precinct. Now, the Aurora Police Department spokesperson, Matthew Longshore, spoke about the riotous acts. And listen, this is just great. The unfortunate part is that they trapped our, our officers inside, not just them being around the building, but physically wrapping ropes and other items around the doors of the District 1 station, around the entry gates um, that the patrol cars coming in and out of, and that was probably the most dangerous part. So they acknowledged that. Department officials would not confirm the exact number of officers that were held captive inside, but sources said that they were able to be freed from the station around 3.30 in the morning on the 4th after a multi-hour detainment. So according to Longshore, the spokesperson, there was not any urgency to free the officers from the station. And he cited that they wanted to allow the protesters to voice their opinions. And here's another quote. There wasn't a rush to come in and move people out. The officers were safe inside. We wanted to give the people the ability to express their First Amendment right to protest, peacefully assemble, 
peacefully and make their voices heard. So we did not have an immediate rush to go in and clear people out. Waiting a little bit longer, the crowd size became smaller, so we had an advantage. Now, Longshore noted that the weapons and materials used within the area while the officers were working and cleared out the demonstrators, but there was a presence of them. They found cans of gasoline. Um, they found uh, that they were staged in the immediate area. They had uh, not only the gas, but fireworks were being directed at the officers that were outside the precinct during the evening. And uh, he talked about aggressive tactics and stances presented by the rioters and some other stuff. It, it goes on to say more stuff, but there was a lot of violence, you know, related to this. Now, before we uh, we go on, I know we've got Chief Newman and we've got Captain Brett going on here in just one second, but I um, I wanted to go in and talk about our friends at GunLearn.com. No matter how much you know about guns and ammunition, there's that knowledge gap that leaves you confused and missing the complete picture. So GunLearn.com, they took the confusion out of it and they made learning them easy. GunLearn.com is the only and it's the first company to offer a step-by-step -step program that takes you from your present knowledge level to become a safe, accurate, and competent certified firearm specialist. Now, they provide citations from federal law and ATF rulings for every point taught to ensure accuracy and their trainings approved by major forensic organizations, law enforcement agencies, and firearm manufacturers. Since 1996, they've taught everything that Leos need to know about firearms and ammunition to all facets of law enforcement. Now, start today with online training or register to attend a live seminar. You can actually get free training for yourself and your personnel by hosting a seminar at no cost to your agency. Come aboard as one of the most firearm knowledgeable people in the world, like Captain Brett Bartlett did, by joining the folks at gunlearn.com. So, Chief Newman and Captain Brett, love to get your input on this. Shameful. The interim chief, uh, Vanessa uh, Will, uh, Williams, she, Will Wilson, I forget her name. She needs, I don't know how she looks herself in the mirror. She, she allowed people to lock her officers inside a precinct like, you know, this is a game. The humiliation, I would, I would live that, I would leave that department tomorrow if that was me. And the, I, all I can say is not bravado. I'm so glad I wasn't in that position because I would have gotten out. No one's locking me in my police department and, uh, and holding me against my will. Let me, let me, let me know, how's that phone call? Honey, how's your night going? Well, dear, pretty slow. I'm locked in my, my police station because the protesters want to express their First Amendment. How about my, my, my liberty to walk out of my own damn employment? I, I, it's shameful. She should be embarrassed. She should be out of the occupation. She's not a law enforcement officer. I doubt if she ever was. Wow. Thank you. How, how about on that same conversation, uh, John? Hey, honey, I'm looking out. They got cans of gasoline and they got fireworks. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, we're, we're stuck. Yeah. Captain Bartlett, or the best well, in, shooter in the group, I might add, is, is Captain Bartlett. In the same message, this this uh, PIO. Now, imagine this PIO. He's probably about 4'11", probably some mousy little puke. Probably let, he doesn't have a set of nuts to work with. He says... In, in the same in the same breath says well our guys were okay he uses the word dangerous but you got to pick one to other and it says he says come get your message across that's great but to put officers lives at risk or the community's lives at risk because we can't respond because they're trapped inside of a building that's not right and i could just see this little turd of a pio kicking the dirt that's just not right i'm, I'm gonna go cry let me tell you what i'm coming out of that building I encourage you guys, if you're listening, like I did, go to the Aurora Police Department website 
you can click on make a complaint against an officer. I made a complaint against the chief of police and I want a damn answer about her behavior. I want to know why she put her officer's lives at risk because in Colorado, uh, it is against the law to falsely imprison somebody. Why didn't they come out? And John, when it's time, I'm going to shoot the locks off of me and you were coming out of that building. And, and, and to our audience, Brett's not kidding about making that internal affairs complaint against the chief. He's absolutely serious. He told us before the show started. So, uh, Attorney Ward. I sympathize with Brett's comments, but I object to his systemic heightism once again. He's using that word systemic. Oh. Well, we got we got Cody uh, ready to go here. So maybe Cody will take up for you, Brett. Yeah, I'll, I'll take up with you, Brett. I'm in total agreement with you. I think, you know, this is, uh, I've said it before, and you're going to have to blurt out this word, but this is the pussification of law enforcement. This chief has, you know, she's an idiot. She's not a leader. She needs to be removed. Um, you know, these officers, it would have taken nothing for those people, those protesters, to actually spill that gasoline, and whether it was intentional or by accident. And next thing you know, you have smoke inhalation issues and they're dying inside their precinct. I mean, it's just absolutely un unacceptable. And you have ways to move protesters along that are not violent. You could have had a fire department come out and turn on their hoses and move them away, whatever, and get somebody in there to cut those locks, those ropes, whatever they had, chains on the doors and get them out of there. The fact that they were trapped in there like that is absolutely unexcusable. There is no reason, not for the right of somebody to protest and have a voice. And if I was in that police department and you were my chief, I would I would get there's a there's a reason for a blue flu right there. I mean, absolutely not acceptable. This woman is an idiot. Nonviolent. I mean, the only thing I can think of, my last concern would be using nonviolent means to get rid of those protesters who have locked a police precinct with cops inside. And they're going to roast them like little piggies is what I is what I'm thinking. Yeah. Nonviolence. I, I could care less. I could care less whether if I was a chief, my guys inside are using live rounds in order to get out of there. Um, you know, it's it, it was a terrible situation. And that never should have happened. Absolutely. I agree with you 100 percent. I'm just saying for the, the the image of society right now, what they're looking for. I'm not saying that's my objective. I'm just using those words to uh, appease people. And just, Chip, just one more thing before we leave. These bad guys are learning. They're probing. They're learning. They're testing. And they what did they learn from this agency? They learned that they cannot be stopped. It is not much further to doing it again and then launching that bomb at the station. I I'm telling you, if those cops had come out, a couple of old 1982 cops had come out of that building with a sap in our pocket and anger in our heart and grabbed the first little turd and put that sap up the side of his head and issued an ass limit of epic proportions, that's also a learning curve there as well. There has to be learning. Thank you, Captain. So. Very well, well said. All right, guys, moving along here. Let's see what we got. Our next one is, uh, is going to be here. Now, we're on uh, lawenforcementtoday.com. Protests continue in Portland as fires set. Federal officers are attacked attacked and uh, it, it just it's just crazy now according to the seattle times federal officers at the mark uh o hatfield u.s courthouse asked for help from city police about two o'clock in the morning on sunday after protesters resisted arrest and they started throwing bottles at them so the portland police bureau said that announcements were made for protesters to leave the area and the crowd finally dispersed at 3 20 a.m so i'm just kind of i'm reading this thinking you're making announcements for protesters who were throwing bottles and stuff at federal employees 
to leave. I just, David, it blows my mind. Uh, uh, now, according to the police, during the protest, fires were being started in trash cans and dumpsters. Uh, no buildings were threatened, it says, but, you know, that's what they're doing, which is, of course, typical. Um, 25-year-old uh, Donovan LaBella was struck in the head. Oh, that's right. We had police fired a rubber bullet or munition at this guy, hit him in the head. He had to go to the hospital. Mom's complaining, but he was holding a speaker loft. I'm sure he was getting ready to toss that when they nailed him with the rubber bullet. So in a statement, Governor Kate Brown is saying, calling for federal officials to scale back their response to the protests because uh, they've consistently taken place for the last six weeks following the death of George Floyd in Minneapolis. And in her statement, she says, the events of last night at the federal courthouse were the tragic and avoidable, not unavoidable, but avoidable results result of President Donald Trump for weeks, continuing the push for force and violence in response to protest. Well, obviously, they're, they're not listening to President Trump. Now, Portland Commissioner Joanne Hardesty criticized the federal officers in a statement. She said, this reckless and aggressive behavior has not put someone in the hospital. This protester is still fighting for their life. And I want to be clear, this should have never happened. If this continues, a life will be taken. It won't matter whether a federal officer or a Portland police officer did it. It will not bring that person back. Now, Portland's Deputy Chief uh, Chris Davis in a statement said, agitator um, cores of violent protesters are responsible for vandalism and chaos. So he, he pretty much outlined that you've got Black Lives Matter and you've got these agitators that are really responsible. So he was trying to you know, give an answer mixed in all that, but Corporal David. You know, um, this is, in talking about Aurora and now Portland and the response from both of the uh, law enforcement leaders, alleged leaders in both of those places, um, when you see something like this, you start to think, okay, that may be the spot where, as Brett said, a lesson is taught. Uh, you get some federal officers that aren't under the jurisdiction of the local law enforcement uh, they're on federal property, i.e., the federal courthouse, and some comes running up there with a with a with a bottle or something like that, and they smoke him off the front steps. That may that may be the turning point in some of that in some of what we see going on. That may be that first uh, learning experience where the rest of them go, "Ooh, crap! They're serious. Let's go someplace else." Um, I know I heard a couple of federal agency officials that were talking about it. Uh, I think the, the interim uh, director for, I think they were, they were calling in Border Patrol and some other agencies to help bolster the security at some of the federal courthouses and stuff. And some of them had some pretty strong language. They were saying, yeah, we're not going to, I'm not going to have my guys, no, we're not doing that. So this, this may be the place, the federal, federal property uh, may be the place that the, that the first lesson gets taught. Uh, and that would be, that would be interesting. Then, then the city officials would basically have nothing to say about it. It's, it's not their jurisdiction. It would, that would be good. Fantastic. Thank you, Corporal. Cody, why don't you close us out on this one? I just want to say that Trump did a uh, press release today, uh, you know, thanking law enforcement for the job that they do in this country and stating that it was time to take over some of these areas and that he was going to be sending out some federal forces to, to uh, rein some things back in and get, get things in check. And I think that that's amazing that finally – somebody's going to do something and has a voice for us as well. Yeah, I, I have mixed feelings on that because part of me wishes that they would just kind of like in that autonomous zone in Seattle, wishes they just sit and stew in it and, you know, and just have to live in that mess for weeks or months at a time because their elected leaders are, are letting it happen. Um, and the only way you're really going to permanently change it is to get new leaders, elected leaders, and they're not going to vote them out unless they go through something like that. But uh, Chief John, you're up. 
Yeah, but you know, but to Cody's point, when I, you know, I, I had watched that, um, you know, the the, con- the press conference. You know, he talks about there are more people in our bigger cities on the weekends that are being murdered than we are people overseas in conflict, and he goes, they're not doing anything about it. And these are our own citizens. You know, I I get the whole posse comatitis. I get that we don't want a federal law enforcement, you know, of occupation. But at, at some point, if you can't get a, a, a handle on you know, American citizens citizens being murdered in American cities in those kind of numbers, then what's the solution? Uh, I don't think anything, you know, in the beginning is going to come great out of a federal, um, you know, uh, action, but something's got to be done when you look at the number of homicides in L.A., Philadelphia, Chicago, New York City. It's not going to get any better. And to Brett's point earlier, look at the amount of cities that are still experiencing protests. Those are the cities that bend over and took it in the keister early on and still have, so they've embedded themselves there. Seattle, Portland, Chicago, New York. I mean, some of those places, they're still there because they got a foothold, because they had sympathetic people in leadership. And as a result, now they can't get them out of their their cities, and it's going to be like that for a while. And I don't see any short-term solution for this. Even though I like the federal conversation that the president had, I'm not sure it's the best conversation. But in the last month, we've had you know quite a few people killed in those big cities. What's the solution? Because I know the mayors aren't coming up with any. No, the the only solution is what I said before, John, and that's the vote. Period. Um, I'm completely, I'm completely, almost completely against any federal intervention whatsoever in these local jurisdictions that have voted themselves their own circumstance. Um, I, the, the, the posse commentators, all that sort of stuff, that just gives me chills. Um, I say, let these cities have at it. Let them have what they voted for. Do not interfere. You can speak out. You can tell them, if you need our help, we'll be happy to help you. But here's the ground rules that, that, are, that we're going to have when we come in there. But we're not coming in there unless you ask us to come, and here are the ground rules that we're going to follow. And then after that, you step back and you let it burn. Um, and I hate to have that kind of verbiage, but but that's the only thing that's going to cause any sort of, as they like to say, systemic change um, in this sort of situation, is they're going to have to vote that crap out, and they're going to have to get somebody in. And I disagree. Just because it's in there, it's embedded. Brother, we've had embedded problems in, in cities before, and we've had just a fine time squeezing them out slowly but surely over time, and it, 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 with, a, with a, uh, a focused effort, it, it's doable from a police standpoint. It's, it was then, it still is now. But I say stay out of the cities, let them have it. You know, and I'll tell you what, Dave, I tell you, you know, we said this, we said this back in March when it started getting a little crazy, then in June when it exploded. You know, we talked about like law enforcement, how it's, it's this whole conversation is fascinating with, when it comes to, you know, whether we're talking about qualified immunity or whether we're talking about defunding law enforcement, organized crime. This country almost got a handle on organized crime. Let me tell you something, baby. It is the golden age for organized crime right now because the fact that no one's overseeing that, you, a lot of the kids that, or the people that are getting killed in these big cities are because there's a lot of movement going on in the illegal markets that, no, this is our territory and we're moving it. It is, gonna, it, it is, a, it is a free-for-all for organized crime right now. And to me, that's fascinating because you're seeing a lot of those power struggles. You're not really talk, we're only talking about the people that are getting shot in these cities. But the reason why they're getting shot, little kids notwithstanding, is because organized crime is taken, you know, is, is alive and well again in, in America when I really thought the feds had done a good job overall with keeping it somewhat contained. 
Thanks, Chief. All right, guys, I want to hopefully we'll be able to get to um, a, a couple of videos here. Um, real, real quick, let me go ahead and start. There's a uh, before the videos, I want to go and talk about three companies that are um, supporting law enforcement. Some of them are taking a little bit of a hit. So these are in uh, as far as the publications, the news is coming from Chicago Sun Times, Police One, and also Fox Business. So Goya. It's the latest company that faced backlash for CEO comments. The company makes products, um, Hispanic cuisine. It's uh, getting some back backlash after the CEO praised President Donald Trump at a White House event. And then Ford. Ford says it's going to keep making police cars after some workers ask the company to stop. But Ford says that, or they're maintaining that it is not controversial that the Ford Police Interceptor helps officers uh, do their job. And this was written by CEO Jim Hackett in a letter to the employees. And then lastly, um, there's a company that the article says, according to Fox, is daring to defend police amid a cancel culture, and that is Eggard Watches, E-G-A-R-D. They make high-end watches, and they're defending police, and they actually have a whole commercial they created about it, and it's called Speaking the Truth or Speak Truth. And, you know, they've got a, um, you know, a, uh, a hashtag that goes along with that. So um, if there's uh, no comments on that, I move on to our next one, and uh, I will do that then. We've got a video, and this is going to be good, guys. It's on policeone.com, law enforcement today, and Leo Affairs, so the big three. Suspects, they put an NYPD cop in a headlock during an attempted arrest, so I should say suspect, singular, um, even though there's a, a couple bad guys and a couple cops. So now, according to the New York Post, officers were trying to disperse the crowd in a Bronx neighborhood earlier this month when it turned violent. So the video shows the officers leading a struggle, a struggling suspect to their cruiser. They're trying to get him inside. The man is not being cooperative, but the guys, the officers are really having a hard time. I, I know David, I, I'm, sur I'm surprised. I'd be surprised, David, if you did not grind out a molar watching this thing and the, and the DT tactics being used. But about 30 seconds into the video, the man appears to put one of the officers in a headlock. The men are grappling for a few seconds. They put, fall to the ground. The officer, they say, wrestles his way free. But I think it's really a, a third party came in and grabbed the bad guy and pulled him away from the officer, and then they went running away. But it says the suspect appears to punch the cop, who's still kneeling on the ground before the bad guy ran off. Now, throughout the altercation, the crowd surrounds the officers, shouting expletives, you know, F him up, F him up. And um, you've even got this, um, you know, this guy, you know, you know, filming this whole thing. Now, the sergeant police, or I guess the Sergeant's Benevolent Association, uh, they tweeted about it, and they expressed anger over city council bill that's expected to be signed by Mayor Bill de Blasio that would make it a misdemeanor offense for cops to use any move that would restrict a person's airflow by pressing on their neck, according to the New York Post. Now, um, and here's what the uh, what the quote says. Corey Johnson, your stupid law is about to be signed in by NYC, stupid mayor. It's time you both take your community input and grab these perps yourself, according to the tweet. Now, compressing or compressing breathing by sitting, kneeling or standing on a suspect's chest or back would carry a penalty up to a year in jail, according to the Post. Now, the suspect in the video is known by NYPD. Um, he's been arrested 11 times for charges, including gang assault, robbery, criminal possession of a firearm. Now, the suspect turned himself into the precinct later that week with his lawyer present, and he was actually released without charges pending further investigation. So that absolutely blows my mind. Now, before we get started on this video, 
Uh, I do want to talk about the Viridian Fact Duty weapon-mounted camera. And this idea was born when the company owner and the employees watched as communities around the country were literally torn apart and burned down over the lack of evidence and multiple officer-involved shootings. They used existing patented technologies and innovative design to create the Fact Duty, that's F-A-C-T Duty, which has become the only gun camera in wide use by law enforcement across the country. Now, the gun camera, it fits standard police duty weapons and holsters and records automatically as soon as the gun is pulled out of the holster. It provides an unobstructed view of the officer's gun uh, when it's pulled from the holster. It provides um, this view for critical use of force events from the end of the firearm and it overcomes the inherent issue with body cameras and body and dash cameras were not designed to capture officer involved shootings however the viridian gun cameras were designed specifically for that purpose so the fact duty employees at 1080p full hd you know high definition digital camera with a microphone and a 500 lumen tactical light viridian's proprietary instant on technology means that the fact duty generates just a small fraction of the data to manage compared to other law enforcement recording options because it only records when the officer's weapon is drawn this results in significantly lower comparative data management costs than other evidentiary camera systems so data stored securely and easily transferred per agency protocol with existing software and technology so for more information on the fact duty it's available at gun-camera.com again it's gun-camera.com for more information and you know we're always talking about when we watch these videos how nice would be to get perspective from the gun because you got all these arms and limbs and guns that are in, in the way of the camera but back to the video David D. to break it down for us, Corporal. Um, I, I don't really think there's a need to. Uh, I, I don't think that at this point, it, at NYPD, uh, tactics, arrest techniques, um, any of that sort of stuff matters anymore. It, it's absolutely a, a foregone conclusion that NYPD has probably become, only because of all the videos that we get to see by them or about them, that they have become not of their own doing. Uh, the laughing stock of law enforcement in the in the nation. Um, I, I've never seen a more pathetic example of of law enforcement ever. I don't think ever anywhere other than that agency. Uh, it it it's it's mind boggling what is going on up there. Again, not of any not of any direct faults of their own, but from the leadership that they're dealing with. Uh, it, the the earlier story that we talked about tonight, where there were. They were their retirements and, and re resignations and whatnot were up, up 400 and something percent. And they were actually I saw another article where they were actually limiting the number of people that could apply for retirement in a given day. You had to wait until the next day to get in line again. Um, there's no reason to be a lot to be a cop up there because you're not. If you can't get out, you better go find a corner, sit on your hands and protect yourself because. You're in, you're in such a bad place now, I, I really don't have anything to say about it, any more than that to say about it. The tactics, none of it matters up there, none of it. Wow, that's, that's unfortunate because we're talking about NYPD, which used to be you know the cream of the crop, but so did LAPD also. So um, let me go to our next video then. It's on, again, the big three. Police One, Law Enforcement Today, Leo Affairs, man killed by Detroit police fired first. So apparently they got the information wrong originally, but uh, this is in Detroit, of course. Police Chief James Craig, he told reporters as he released the video on Friday evening that the suspect he identified as 20-year-old Hakeem Littleton was no more no more than three feet away when he began shooting. So, and it's amazing the cop 
survive this. The shooting occurred about 1230 uh, p.m. as officers were investigating a 4th of July block party shooting and arrested a different man who did not resist arrest. So police had no plans to arrest Littleton for anything. And Littleton appears to be calm in the video. He's raising his hands before he suddenly starts reaching into his pocket. And, and you know, it's, it's hard not to pick up on that, you know, being uh, cops, retired cop or whatever, man, you notice it immediately. You just watch the hands. So he pulls out a semi-automatic pistol. He points it at the officer and he starts shooting it as they're facing each other. And again, they're close within three feet. So the officer closest to Littleton uh, had his, gun holstered and uh when the when the shooting started so no one was expecting this so eight shots were fired over a span of five seconds four by three different police officers and four shots were fired by littleton or bad guy so littleton continued to fire after he fell to the ground uh he was on probation for an unarmed they call it unarmed robbery uh, i don't know if that strong arm robbery uh seemed to say something about not allowing officers to arrest his friend before he began firing he was pronounced dead at the hospital, so that's one piece of good news. A, a gun and shell casings were recovered. No officers were wounded in the altercation, but it's just absolutely a, a wild video to watch. Um, I know we got some open mics on this. Before we go there, I want to tell you guys about my friends at Guardian. Uh, you know, the, there's something that every law enforcement agency is dealing with right now, and it's something that keeps many of us up at night. And it's ensuring that the only absolute best candidates are hired who are worthy of wearing the badge. So over the last several months, our country's been crying out for accountability around who we hire to serve and protect them. And this is every almost every story we're covering tonight deals with this. So I've personally had a front row seat in seeing and experiencing the many antiquated systems and flaws as it relates to vetting and hiring law enforcement officers. But it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be stuck behind the rest of the world when it comes to harnessing innovations and technology to better the profession that we love so much while also working to restore any public trust issues that have been lost. Law enforcement agencies have a real opportunity to step up and to demonstrate its duty of care. So my law enforcement friends at Guardian Alliance Technologies, they developed the CG, I'm sorry, CJIS compliant background investigation software that helps you uncover potentially problematic applicants and dramatically reduce the time that it takes to screen and to investigate candidates. It helps to ensure that you have the very best quality officers serving and protecting. Guardian has no upfront fees. There's no training fees, no installation costs, no long-term contracts or commitments. And all records are stored electronically. So say goodbye to material storage fees too. And best of all, Guardian was founded and is supported by law enforcement professionals. So I strongly advise you to visit their website at guardianalliancetechnologies.com, ensuring that you have quality law enforcement officers matters. Contact Guardian today. So that said, Cody, I know that you're up first, and uh, I think Captain Brett wants to go too on this one. I think that this case is a grand opportunity to make a learning curve for the United States for those who are um, against law enforcement. Here's a prime example of how you want to persecute a police officer for his actions before you even know the whole truth. Yet you don't want people doing that to you. You don't. You don't. You don't want that done to you as a black. Once upon a time when blacks were slaves, they were hung for crimes and they were hung when they didn't commit crimes just because somebody didn't like them. That's something you don't want. You want equality. Now you have police officers that are out here legitimately doing their job, not being abusive, not you know using unjustified force, they're using actually justified force, yet 
the tonality of the United States has allowed this false narrative to come about with this case long before the police chief came out with the truth and showed the videos and explained what happened. Your own police chief, who happens to be a black police chief, and comes out and says, this officer is justified, the shooting was justified, look what happened. And people still don't want to hear it, even though there's video proof. You wanted law enforcement to wear video cameras, body cameras, dashboard cameras, so that you could see what we're doing. And even though it justifies what we're doing, you still don't accept it and put this false narrative out on social media. It's absolutely disgusting. Here, this officer and the officer that was involved, all the officers involved in this case are gonna have to live with that shooting for the rest of their, uh, rest of their lives, justified, yet they will never be accepted. Absolutely unacceptable. Thank you, Cody. Captain Brett, why don't you close this out? We're getting close on time, so you have the uh, you have the floor. I, I finally figured out how I'm going to get how I'm going to croak. You know, we all wonder, you know, what's going to get us. You know, I, I have a condition, and you know that. It's all about timing with me. I think what's going to get me is one of these groups who raise hell against the police uh, prematurely, or show them the video, and of course, videos, you know, they 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 prove the facts. If one of these groups came out and says to the police. We offer our humble apologies for speaking too quickly. We are now on your side. What can we do to help you? Listen carefully, Chip. You're going to hear a thump when I hit the ground, and you're going to roll me in the hole because that's what's going to kill me. But luckily, I think I'm going to live for a long time. Thank you, Captain. I'm not sure which I'd rather I'd rather happen first. <laughs> well, look, if there's nothing else from the guys, I, I know. Well, look, guys, thank you to our subscribers that are on YouTube conversing with us. And thank you to the panel for making yourselves available. I want to thank our sponsors, Calm Case Management, Extra Duty Solutions, Guardian Alliance Technologies, GunLearn.com, and Viridian Weapon Technologies. Also, we're powered by Pexip, Good Talk Radio, I-10FM, and Free Press at TampaFP.com. Shout out to uh, Brian Burns, who owns that. Hope everybody has a wonderful and a safe week, guys. Good night.